Alright, so everyone's just quit fucking about. We'll fucking go for this. You're fucking ready. <laughs> I'm fucking ready to fucking go. Hello, yes, and you're very welcome to the 19th episode of Higher Fidelity. I cannot believe it. It's only the bloody number after 18. It's incredible. So this is our very first one-on-one in Higher Fidelity. Uh, it's not Frost Nixon. It's not Palin versus Muggeridge. <laughs> it's not even Partridge versus Daltrey. It's a Walsh O'Hanlon special, and it's been a fucking long time coming. Yeah, yeah it has. Our friendship is now entering its third decade yeah. a photo surfaced online recently of of myself yourself uh, and other acquaintances yes at your fifth birthday at a photo that was taken in 2001 mm. horrendous incredible we've been through thick and thin yeah we've been thick and thin <laughs> we've seen the world but we've never looked inward yet to happen and i want to get to know you <laughs> who is evan can i see the real you can, can i, I? Can, Can you? Uh, what makes you tick? I know what does. <laughs> People who wear shoes with no socks. Yeah, I fucking hate that. Great. Anything else? No, I love everything else. <laughs> I love everybody and everything else. Great. Well, look, well, now, now we've got to grips with Evan. Uh, okay, any, any other thoughts on being friends for almost uh, coming to our third decade of, of, of a friendship? doesn't feel like it, but also I, have, I, I there's a bit of my life where I can't picture you being there. Exactly. It was said recently in conversation, I, I said this recently in conversation, <laughs> that uh, if I was asked, how did you meet Peter Hanlon, the man who you have been in multiple bands with, um, a, a, a collaborator? Um, kind of, yeah, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, collaborating <laughs> collaborating on, on don't, be like, don't go too far mate. yeah yeah <laughs> uh, taking liberties now but a uh, collaborator on music and fun <laughs> for many many years we've collaborated on fun multiple times in our yeah. lives so far how did you meet the Pete mm. I would say I don't fucking know <laughs> I haven't a clue I cannot recollect it I try it's just static just t- TV static in my brain if I try and visualise us meeting well like I, I enjoy the idea that like another term for friend is frequent collaborator in fun yeah I enjoy yeah, yeah. that no definitely as I say we've been around each other long we get it we can get more into that a bit later on when I, another bit I want to speak about <laughs> um, before we get too into the deep dive dissection of our shared experiences of this planet. Mm. A bit of an update on what the band has been up to. We've been nominated for Most Promising Act in the Hot Press Awards, the Hotties 2021. If we win, they're a great magazine. If we lose, we're too challenging an act for their bland Dublin boys club. Closed shop, is all I'm going to (laughs) say. On top of that, yeah, we've... okay. We're doing this restream called the Zen Arcade. It's yeah. it's the cheap repackage of the century. We're basically putting up the show from Cypress Avenue again in black and white. The futility we've been reduced to, necessitated by the pandemic. Indeed, indeed. I think it's a nice, fun, useless idea, very in keeping with everything else we do. That's entirely useless and fragile and fragile and no mm-hmm. point doing. It's it's perfectly in keeping with all that. We released a poster line in accordance with that, designed by the wonderful Sam Garrity, which did an absolute roaring trade mm. last Friday. We sold out of all of them, which was, which was very, very cool. Thanks to everyone who has them. If, if you're listening to this and you happen to have the poster in your room, I want you to look at it. Wow, look at it. Oh, look at that. Lovely. In other news, uh, I've turned 25 
and celebrated the occasion by sending some of my closest friends a birthday card that I wanted them to send back to me because I knew I was going to receive any anyway and I wanted a load. So I sent off an envelope with the birthday card, a little picture of me to remind them who I was and a stamped, like an addressed envelope and the cost of sending it back to me. Mm. Uh, we got the card and we went, oh, he's Pete. <laughs> That's fucking Pete. <laughs> That lad. Yeah. That was my 25th. <laughs> I, I go, I think I've been calling Pete Ross and Ross Pete for fucking ages. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. Oh, fuck's sake. So I sent an envelope with my address written on it again so you could send it back and that. And a lot, uh, most people did, which was very nice. But I did go downstairs. Uh, my housemate Emma came over to me and said, Peter, there's a lot of posts for you downstairs. And I was like, oh, damn, these letters have arrived. Class. And I went down. And they were all, because obviously all the envelopes and letters from the same bundle packs, all yep. the envelopes were the same colour and all had my handwriting on it. <laughs> so it looked like I was trying to flex on my housemates by sending myself 15 birthday cards and going, look at how fucking popular I am. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> pathetic. But I couldn't counteract it by saying, no, no, don't worry, they sent it to me, but I sent it to them in the fucking first place. So it yeah, just looks yeah. even worse. Um, but yeah, I've noticed my body already starting to give up on me. Brain cells are dying. My brain like cells have it. actually stopped. I mean, I've hit the age now where brain cells stop regenerating and I was operating at a pretty like low ebb even before this <laughs> so I don't know what the fuck's going to happen now I genuinely today as I was shaving my face I happened to look at my chest and realize that there's far more hair on my left pectoral than on my right one really I'll show you later nice yeah. a, fuck, <laughs> a fucking lot like I was looking at it going that's just way more normally I have like six really long sticky ones around one nipple mm. now it's it's met the chest hair in the middle holy shit I can't believe it I'm, I'm speechless Sasquatch man I have none on either so just imagine how shit I'm feeling right now <laughs> I'd rather be hairless than hairful. I'm very grateful uh, to the gods um, for being... <laughs> Epidermis, the god of skin. Yeah, I thank the gods every day that, yeah, I, I'm barely, barely haired. <laughs> On the, the night I turned 25 uh, was suitably non-25, or probably even more 25, like man, man living alone at the age of 25. Dinner was late that night. Mm-hmm. Like the midnight I turned 25, I hadn't had dinner yet. So my first meal as a 25-year-old man living away from home, doing his doing his thing, mm. was four potato waffles in between two slices of nut, raisin nut berry loaf from Super Value with Pringles crushed in between for a bit of extra kick. And what do you call this exotic? I call it a beige depression. Nice. <laughs> it wasn't tasty. It wasn't nice. It wasn't worth it. My, my 25th morning, I woke up. I haven't I haven't really been alive for 25 days. My 25th year first morning <laughs> yeah. thing. Uh, I woke up. My my stomach made the noise. Stodge. <laughs> <laughs> nice that your body can make onomatopoeic. Uh, isn't it onomatopoeic noises? Yes, of course. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're at that age. I'm gonna. I'll tell the story now of a of a person who shall remain nameless from my school. Who, when we were learning about onomatopoeias, the teacher happened to ask him now. Uh, now I'll use, I'll use a false name now Charlemagne give me an example of onomatopoeia and this student looked around the room desperately searching for an example of onomatopoeia and then looked back at the teacher and said curtains miss and she said excuse me Charlemagne he said curtains miss and she said do you want to explain that and he said because when you say curtains you think of curtains everyone in the room went oh, he's not wrong <laughs> he's not wrong this cousin was so stupid he made everyone else question their intelligence, which is a feat. He made everybody go, is onomatopoeia just a fancy way of saying word? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. not just how snobs say the word word. <laughs> Still more news, but not related to the band stuff. Yeah. Pursuing to me mentioning the monkeys last time, I happened to watch the, obviously the clip from Mike Nesmith cries over Peter Tork's death, which is, it does make Bambi's mother dying 
look like the end of School of Rock. Genuinely. It's such a sad, sad bit of footage. But in the yeah. same clip, Mickey Dolenz talks about the Hollywood vampires, the group he was in. Yes. Uh, a, a drinking Hellraiser and soci- socialising group as opposed to musically group. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, in the clip, he discusses the Hollywood vampires and, and the, the, the cabal of lads that went around raising hell. Mm. So he's talking about how they would play softball mm-hmm. and then go off and drink and then how the drinking sort of overcame the softball. Yeah. Now, Evan, I want you to come over here and watch this clip. Okay. People listening to this, we will describe what's going on. So I'll just play it to you first and see if you notice and then I'll explain why I think this is entirely wholly remarkable. Okay. But that's it. We would just play the softball game. Winner. Did you catch it? No. Mickey Dolenz says, we go and play softball and <laughs> he mimes playing the guitar. <laughs> That's so funny, yeah, he does play why a does fucking he do, air guitar. Why does it, Mickey Dolenz <laughs> thinks that playing softball is doing a solo. Yeah, that was really funny. He, like, very lazily mimed the guitar. But you know when you're talking, you say, you know, oh, I just play a bit of guitar. Do you know, like, that sort of yeah. really, like, limp-handed, like, yeah. I play a bit of guitar man on the side, you know? He does that when he says, me and Alice Cooper used to play softball, but he mimes guitar. A terrifying insight into the man's lo- <laughs> log- logic and, and perception. The lunatic mind. <laughs> that is Dolenz. Yeah. Funny, you've seen, a, yeah, like a genuine dyed-in-the-wool brain fart <laughs> happening uh, <laughs> on camera for everybody to see. It's funny that the monkeys actually, as well, well, um, another thing that would set them out as like cuddly, lovable, brilliant people. That I think that the only band that you can Google three separate interviews to get three out of four members breaking Crying. down, breaking down in tears, yeah, yeah, over something absolutely like either heartbreaking or adorable. Because you couldn't do that with like the Stones. No, I wouldn't want to. No. The idea of like. Bill Wyman crying is, is oh, pathetic. That's a disgusting <laughs> concept. Yeah. Did you listen to Highwire off the Rock Reflections album? I, I listened to it the whole way through once weeks ago. Just to make sure you did. That's okay. I, just, I had a note here to check that Evan listened to Highwire on yeah, Rock yeah, Reflections. Yeah. And I know adding once weeks ago uh, is a very disappointing thing. <laughs> Ideally, by the time we have the next podcast, the episode, and just for the benefit of our real lives, I'm going to listen to it more. Uh, so I received also on with the posters. I sent an email to everyone to let them know that the poster was on their way, and I got a you know I sent a little with all the witticisms that people have come to expect that I often send with these with these um with these emails. I like to do pointless PS notes people send yeah. back. You know, originally it was a photo of Nicolas Cage or Superman, then it was your favorite uh, photo of beans from. Uh, about to say okay so don't worry, don't worry, I get stuff wrong approximate knowledge of things I was about to say beans from now obviously the program is Eden Stevens. Stevens I was <laughs> I was the beans from Steve stuck in the middle <laughs> <laughs> That's what? about six different programs <laughs> all at once yeah 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 life with Steve who's stuck in the middle with Maguire of Carly Simpson <laughs> So yeah, no beans from beans from uh, even Stevens, and then now in this latest email, I was like, if you if you get this email, please respond with your favorite picture of Chris Eigman or Alan Cumming. Mm. I was surprised to learn that not everybody knows who Chris Eigman is. Mm. He is the he's the he's the Krellboy teacher from Malcolm in the Middle. Do the really yeah, stern teacher yeah, has, okay, yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. also in a load of Whitstone films that I really really like. I've been watching a lot of Malcolm in the Middle lately, actually. Oh great! I thought I'd tell you that. I got a response from one Daniel Flood, uh, presumably he was trying to send me his uh, his ideal photo of Chris Eigman or Alan Cumming uh, instead. Dead. This is what I got. Now, I want you to come over here and have a look at this again. I'm going to relocate you again. He just says, Dear Zen, whatever the fuck else it is, and then this is attached. I have seen this uh, 
via phone video, but seeing it in real life is definitely uh, more surreal and disturbing. How long is this? I have, scro- I have scrolled 11 times already. Yeah, and you've let it go. You've let the scroll. That's insane, isn't it? How much text is in that? And he told me, I was like, what did you try and send me? Yeah. And he said, I tried, I copy and pasted a picture into Google. This, this would crash Apple in 1991. Mm-hmm. This is big enough to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like, as alien shit. This is a warning <laughs> from the stars about something. Other news other than that. Oh, we got played in a French radio station last night. Cool. Called Radio Ballistic. <laughs> I mean, that's a fucking great name. Wild bunch over there. <laughs> now, Evan, clear the news out of the way. It's just me and you now. Mm. There's no one here to filter or dilute the chat. Yeah. No one here to sort of, you know, hinder proper music talk by going off on a tangent into the 2000s, which I, like, actively encourage and engage in when they do happen. Yeah. We care about two things. Yeah. Feeling good. Yeah. And Dr. Feel Good. Hells yes. <laughs> so I think it's time we take a few minutes now to talk about a band who are woefully and outrageously underrepresented on the podcast. They're our bonding force, other than our bondage obsession. Oh god, I fucked that. Other than our bondage obsession, indeed, didn't even work. Uh, Doctor Feelgood. Yeah, we were very, very good friends before this band came into our lives, but mm, we're now mm. twinned eternally for our like undying, <laughs> unending love for the band. Yeah, and I remember you you bring them up to me first, saying there's this gas band with a guitarist who plays lead and rhythm at the same time. Yeah, and the immediate mental picture I got was of like a French man in with long curly hair and tights, sitting on a like a stool, hunched over like a liar, playing this amazing noise. And it's funny to me that every aspect of that. Is is directly in contrast to who Wilco Johnson actually is. It's a violent contrast. <laughs> the, uh, but no, an absolutely incredible band. We So the Saitan Corsal gig was an often point of reference for like our stage show and like I totally lifted every aspect of Wilco Johnson's stage presence. Mm. E- every aspect of the band was wholly exactly what myself and I needed to see at that point in time. Yeah, when we were 2012. Married, 2012. It just, all the live footage, the, 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 the gig in France where they just stood in the middle of a park for no reason and yeah. uh, Lee neck is having like multiple muscular seizures while yeah. Things. And lo- and looks like it's loving it. Oh yeah, no, it's well up for it. Yeah, it's yeah. enjoying the seizures. It's voluntary. Yeah, the footage of them playing at a gig in like in, in Finland with the most modern looking backdrop ever. About as much analysis and conversation went into the modernity <laughs> of that backdrop and how it looks like it was made on a computer program in what would have been the present day then, 2012. Yeah. Uh, as there was analysis of the performance and the musical content. Did them on Jordy Shore as well? Jordy Jordy Shore. <laughs> <laughs> the Jordy scene. The Jordy scene hosted by. Dave Eager. I fucking hate myself that I, <laughs> that I can't get anything anymore. It's your brain your brain cells They're gone. dying, you see. That's it. But it's always it's the second half of essential info. That the brain cell that holds on to the second bit of a of a reference mm. is dead. Mm-hmm. Oil City Confidential. Mm-hmm. That film yes. sent us to the Shadow Realm. It did. <laughs> Gonna do my fucking fucked up year maths thing as well. That that would have only been a three year old documentary when we got into it. And I remember it being on actually for the first time in two thousand nine and oh, wow. watching it. Uh, don't remember meeting you though. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, I remember watching it with my father and enjoying it at the time, but being a little bit too young. The band thing hadn't really come to the fore of life. We weren't even into the, into the Yardbirds then. Not even. What a joke. Hadn't even watched that one episode of the Beat Room yet. <laughs> I didn't even watch the gonks go beat yet. For fuck's sake. Oh, we asked. Pop gear. Those words meant nothing to me. Fuck. And then did mean so much for such an intensely brief period. Mm. And now are like, yeah, cool. My life revolved around pop gear. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's the brightest stars shine? Shine. Some uh, bullshit. Burned intensely and quickly, whatever people say. Shoot for the stars. And then if you only hit the roof, you're fine. We're all in the gutter. But some of us are looking up at Muff Winwood. (laughs) 
I do hear he's tall. He's not. Spencer Davis died. Yes. Muff's still alive. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. Sad about Spence. Happy that Muff is still yeah. with us. Speaking of people that are still with us, it's obviously down to obviously the medical intervention of a very smart doctor, but also I think it's fair to say that the reason Michael Johnson is still alive is because of us. Mm. The goodwill that we sent his way via yeah. old men on the internet yeah, yeah, yeah. cured him. Yeah, no, we gave him more column inches than any uh, surgeon could. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely, yeah. The doctors added years to his life. We added lines to his bio. Yeah, we added um, posts to his Facebook because the jam w- that we had with Wilco and John B. Sparks on Canvey Island don't know how I managed to survive that experience. <laughs> uh, <laughs> from just sensory happiness, excitement, yeah, so. uh, overload. Uh, or it's, it's remarkable that I managed to find... Uh, no, no, I was going to say something about my life being complete, but that's bullshit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that just gets shared pretty much on with metronomic regularity. <laughs> on those pages, yeah. yeah. First of all, a quick little recap for anyone who doesn't know. I don't know how you wouldn't. If you've been a follower of us at all for any sort of length of time, you'll know that yeah. we're obsessed with a band called Dr. Feargood, who are a pub rock band who are the reason punk happened, who are one of the most stone-cold, coolest bands of all time, mm-hmm. ever. Kind of a one-trick pony, but the one trick is fucking decent. The pony it rears up and kicks you so hard in the ass. They're one of those weird bands as well, where the most famous lineup isn't the most successful. Yeah. Where they had more hits after the really famous lineup broke up. But yeah, exactly, and nobody remembers... Uh, Poor Jippy. Yeah. Yeah, so again, we, we modelled so much of, like, we at the time, the Stripes were pretty much a mishmash of any and all song between the years of 1962 and 2011. Yeah. And then we watched all... Scattergun. Scattergun, yeah. We should have been called that. Uh, <laughs> but we... Dr. Feelgood happened. There's a seismic shift in our lives. Like you always say, Evan, I, I can't do it like you can. You can just cope <laughs> with things. We were like, you know, colours smell different. Shampoo was... Uh, eaten. I, yeah, I can't yeah. do. I can't do the way uh, it. Glasses broke differently. <laughs> yes, there, there you go. Radiators were used to cool down rooms. <laughs> After we watched Oil City Confidential, fans blew hot air. I modelled so much of my performance and everything on Wilco Johnson and even on Jumpy Sparks as well. The moving over and back, all that sort of cracking. Yeah. A bit. Your, a lot of your playing came from the big figure stuff as well. Kind of them uh, really yeah, sharp. Whip cracking fills, machine gun fills yeah. that he does, and that I used to be able to do, and then like weirdly can kind of only do them now. <laughs> you could do them when I was fifteen, and now I fucking I'm shit at them. It's really weird. Yeah, but I'm just generally shit anyway. I was gonna bring that up actually. Yeah, uh, the first album we ever released in our previous incarnation owes like pretty much one big debt. It doesn't know just, just in debt to the tune of thirteen tracks. Yeah, to Doctor Feelgood, minimal other influences. <laughs> no, absolutely. When you think about it now, we must have absolutely sickened everyone's hole with it. Mm-hmm. But we did. It's funny as well that Wilco Johnson and Roger Daltrey's album "Going Back Home." Yeah, yeah. Thank God I got a ride. I got uh, a yeah. fucking ride. <laughs> that album was recorded in. Like, we recorded our first album in Yellowfish Studios in Brighton, which is not a very capable studio. It was mm. fine for the job it was. <laughs> Wilco Johnson and Roger Daltrey recorded "Going Back Home," their their album that they did together in Yellowfish because they wanted to get and I fucking quote the stripes sound. Mm. They were like, they brought out our rollick and rhythm and blues album. Let's <laughs> go there and do it. Little did they know we brought in the guy who engineered the white album and he brought a load of his gear with him. And <laughs> That's how we got the fuck it out. Yeah. No, it, was, it wasn't a studio that had a, a celeb track record. It had Bill Bailey's six-night guitar in the attic. That was it. Yeah. And Queen master tapes. Yes. And it also, there was an, our engineer was a guy called Jake Rousham. And he told us, the previous, the album he'd worked on just before we worked there with him was uh, an album by an air guitar band called Piss. And we would routinely ask him, how did you record an air guitar band? And he said, we just did. He would not explain how it was recorded. He wouldn't elaborate. Which was odd. Great lad, though. Great lad, great band. Dr. Feelgood are really good. Uh, no consistent album, but, you know, it's fine. I'm going to say it, BC and You is the most you consistent have, album. You have to come back to that. Yeah. I actually do think Malpractice is great, just is kind of sedate. Yeah, production. I think all the tracks are savage. It's just all 
10 BPM too slow. Yeah. Even then, Stupidity, the live album, that is like, that's the one, that's yeah. the really great. That's really slow. Yeah. It's surprisingly yeah, yeah. slow. Um, I think we discussed in a past episode, the South End Cursal gig, that made that seismic impact on us, that we saw the edited version. And I lis- tried to listen to the full version last summer when I was taking a stroll. Thought I'm going to fucking get the whole Dr. Figure gig. It's on Spotify. South End Cursal, start to finish. I know exactly what the gig looked like from the footage that exists. So I'm going to have the ultimate, I'm just going to imagine it, do the whole thing in this like walk. I had to turn it off because it was so slow. <laughs> All the rollicking numbers, as we previously said, right? <laughs> Rollicking, yeah. uh, she does it right. Um, going back home, going back home, going back home. Their live clip of that. There's a bit where Wilco Johnson sort of like skitters across the floor. Yeah, as he does a move towards the camera, the camera's panning across past me. Sort of like holds the guitar up and scoots along towards the drum kit as he does. So mm. that was. Uh, it, I, I'm trying to think of the correct words. It was. Um, Come festival for me <laughs> when I saw that first. It was a moment. <laughs> it was a moment. It did. It did uh, profoundly impact your life for the next few years. I and couldn't believe conti- it. Continues to. No, I only watched it recently as well and was like, Jesus Christ! It is still one of the. Co- and it's the most nondescript bit of footage ever. Just whatever. Just because he just looks like he doesn't have legs, as in like he has like when you see a ghost in a cartoon, yeah. and they've got the little kind of like ghosty bottom instead of legs, and they can just float about the place. That's how fluid yeah. his movement is. And I loved as well that obviously he had like the moniker of like the amphetamine kid and all that sort of crack. Mm-hmm. And then there was a few sort of like gig reviews done on me that like drew favourable comparisons to Wilco and then even in its own I started getting accused of having dystonia yeah which was a, a, which is a, a they call the dancing disease um, yeah but yeah no I remember that actually yeah it was she does it right and all through the city were painfully slow in this live recording and keep it out of sight as well was really bad me saying really bad as in played perfectly fine but was just slow so yeah. uh, if it's a live obviously the fucking concert film whittles it down to the best songs and it's brilliant but uh, if it's live feel good you'd be wanting I'd say you seek out uh, the BBC in concerts they're, yeah yeah they're fucking brilliant uh, from there's one pretty much every year from 75 to about 1980 and they're all on Spotify so that's how I get my live Dr. Feelgood fix deadly stuff no absolutely savage band there's gods of mind to talk and footage of you know, Joe Strummer saying I didn't want to fucking own a guitar till I saw Dr. Feelgood play I believe the quote uh, that I the quote sticks in my head from Oil City says a uh, few groups because you always call them groups mm. uh, God is a twat <laughs> A few groups rival Dr. Feelgood at their most intense was his words and I think that's why he played a stra- um, Telecaster. Telecaster solo life it's stupid of me to fucking make that basic I know schoolboy error I think Telly say Strat for fuck's sake <laughs> uh, but I remember um, oh, we were playing a festival it was Picnic. I remember. I don't remember what festival it was. I just know uh, Chris Stein from Blondie was there, and he <laughs> was he'd taken a few photos, and then he told us that um, Down with the Jetty was a big album in CBGBs for them, which again, which is really cool that the lads were mm. being touted around. But like they saw like television and talking heads, and Blondie were sitting around going, "Should we put on onto the city? What do you mean? Should we put it on? Of course, yeah, put it on." Yeah, I yeah. said all oh, the city. I meant to sit down with down the, the Jetty, but you were. It, it makes sense how you would make that mistake. Listen to the album, folks. You'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a great account in the the great book, uh, Lee Brillo, Rock and Roll Gentleman documenting the life of uh, Dr. Feelgood's front man and uh, generally it's one of the mo- it's like it, it's like one of the most like aside from the lifestyle the general kind of like good time good crack all around decent bloke it's like aspirational reading but in that book there's a great description of Dr. Feelgood uh, playing CBGB's for the first time despite the fact that obviously CBGB's very crucial important landmark place in the development of punk with Ramones and Talking Heads and all this sort of stuff and punk I think was well, well underway at this point and Blondie and everybody and they all went to see Dr. Feelgood do like they did a couple of nights residency there and they just said it was the just the fucking scariest most full on gig yeah. <laughs> ever as in the band the fact that it's like people describe a scary gig that normally means the crowd but when you say a scary Dr. Feelgood gig it's the band are scary yeah. that's what's great that's what's so brilliant about them and what's so brilliant 
about Lee Brillow in particular. But like, as in, like the, the guys with weapons coming on stage, that whole like the the, the whole gang aspect of that, the, that was really the well done. Gangster, small time crook, uh, mafioso, dangerous hitman kind of chic that they created for themselves. Detective as well. Detective, yeah, yeah. But the fact that that never it was never presented. It was in a highly stylized, fictionalized way of like you know mm. this is cartoon violence. It was very vicious and all that. But in a this is clearly like is it was like tongue and cheek were messy yeah. and everything because there was never an element of violence to the band off stage. No, at all, you know what I mean. That's a, hence the title of the book, Rock and Roll Gentleman. Uh, and he like lived his life by this dandy life, sort of like wearing waistcoats yeah, and yeah, kind of yeah, dandyish waistcoats and vineyards. Yeah, and like old fashioned kind of gentleman, always do the right, decent thing yeah. kind of lifestyle. It, it wasn't. It didn't reflect in any way on um, them as people. It was like it was all as you say, like theatrical. It was a stage show. Yeah, it was a show. But I like as well the idea that you know, obviously, Doctor Fielder who. At the time they were over in CBDs, it would have been like 76, 77. So they on the go mm. a few years. Punk would have taken off in England. They were already like old fashioned in England, like, because they still mm. had like bell bottom trousers and things like that. Yeah. But the idea that that'd be like really, like Mark Hell and the Void. Is it Mark Hell? Richard Hell. <laughs> Richard Hell and the fucking Void. I, I hate myself. But like them and like the Ramones and all that would be watching it who were like, you know, because again, you know, American punk is great, but. Mm. It's more deliberately, decidedly artsy, yeah. which is what I don't vibe on, as a, even though it's great music and yeah. like the Ramones are great and all that sort of stuff. There maybe it's a little bit more considered than Dr. Feelgood, which of course is considered in the deliberately creating an image and all sort of stuff, but the, the the created it's not high concept. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the the created image and the thing that they've thought through is kind of based on cutting to the fucking chase and getting rid of all the bullshit. Yeah. Where it's like don't want to be like slamming poetry as opposed to a poetry slam uh, on any sort of a grand scale. But it's like when it gets, I think the the I I quite like the idea of the CBGB scene being it's just a little bit too poetic, a little bit too artsy up its own hole. I think so. Yeah. And then Doctor Feelgood arrive and they're like that was a fucking scary gig. That was like fucking intense. Yeah. Uh, who are these people? <laughs> you know. No, what totally I mean? yeah. Well, even I think that's like Clem Burke telling us as well at when we were the Castlefield Bowl gig. Mm. We were because we were mad on Rockpile at the time. Yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, we had Rockpile open up for us uh, on our American tour. It was the worst idea in the world to have one of the best rock and roll bands of all time open up for you." So I do love mm. the idea that like you know really unassuming we just fucking get the job done. Musicians going over and like blowing American bands out of the water. Not and again not like I, I like the biggest fans in Ireland of the Ramones and fucking talking heads and all that are in this room now genuinely oh yeah all, adore all, all things being relative yes and like Blondie again great band all that sort of stuff I'm going to shock you uh, you said we were mad on rock pile at the time uh, I'm actually mad on rock pile at the minute great no it's <laughs> uh, the most unsurprising thing of all time I can't believe that yeah you're telling me yeah okay so just run this by me so there's a band with Dave Edmonds <laughs> Nick Lowe Billy Bremner and Terry Williams together and you like that mm, I enjoy it and I'm enjoying it a lot at the minute wow yeah, that's yeah, fucking yeah. mad if you gave me a more month of Sundays yeah. and all of them were off <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that yeah so get this right Nick Lowe's band yeah Dave Edmonds band yeah the same fucking band <laughs> <laughs> again every 8 to, 8 to 12 weeks I obviously have to go on the rock pile binge and listen to all the bootlegs and watch all the videos and I've actually found new rock pile footage Fantastic. that uh, I was uh, waiting for the right moment to unleash on you I can't wait now speaking of back when we in the stripes things mm. that, there was a pocket of the internet Evan mm-hmm. that wanted us to do things yeah and they wrote it down in fan fictions yeah that yeah. would appear on Wattpad and Tumblr and the like officially I am officially re- Launching. This is the rebirth of Peven. Oh God! Or Peven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not gonna do anything. Don't worry. <laughs> 
Oh. <laughs> but I just want to read it. So my attention was drawn to this again by a friend recently who happened to be uh, looking stuff up and came across this. And I just want to read out. So this is fan fiction that was written about us at, at the height of the Stripes career by people who enjoyed the band. And I want to read out myself and everyone. I'm going to act out w- one of the segments. <laughs> and as I said, this is a bit of crack. I enjoy this. If, you know, if people listen to this enjoy us doing the fan fiction, we can always do more read-throughs when everyone else is here. When Ross is here and things like that, we can do more. Sam and Becky can narrate, can do the stage direction. They can play the part of the YN as well. Yeah, the scope is... Huge. So this story here that I'm going to read is called Peeven Doing Each Other's Hair. Nice. Come over here, read this with me. So this is from your POV. Okay, right, Jesus. This is an Evan POV where we're, where, I, where we're doing each other's hair. So I'll play me and you play you. Okay. Make sense? Yep, get it. Ev. Pete whispered into my ear, making me flinch. Pete, I was sleeping, I grumbled a bit upset. Not anymore, apparently. <laughs> he giggled like a little girl. Do I have to... Uh, Who's saying that line? <laughs> that me or you? That's that's you. Okay. Do I have to tickle you so you stop getting me? Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, it, 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 the line. The, the, the grammar is uh, problematic in oh, this. Oh, okay, all right. Okay, it's, okay, it's not okay. your fault. It's the, it's the, it's the right, right fault. Right, it wasn't right, proofread right, very well. Do I have to tickle you so you stop getting me on the nerves at? I, qu- I quickly looked at the clock, which hung on the wall. Seven o'clock in the morning. No, 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 don't you dare. He threatened, but I was. I already began to tickle him. Take these drummer hands away from me. <laughs> he, urged, he urged, but laughed unrestrainedly. Scene. Wow. I like how they've absolutely uh, nailed me, <laughs> but not you. That's later in the story. <laughs> never, ever, ever have you asked me to stop something by threatening to tickle me. That would never, ever be your route of conflict de-escalation. If the person who wrote that, or even anybody who's read that, or people who've just heard us acted out now are listening, which some of you obviously are because you just heard me, that is the absolute polar opposite of the type of person I am. <laughs> There's more there as well. There's more examples as well. As I say, if, if people enjoyed that and want us to do some more sort of full readings, I'd like to. I think it'd be fun to do. Uh, let us know. There is erotic ones as well that I think would get really nice to get a bit steamy on mm. the pod. Because there is a noticeable lack of like sexual tension on this so far. And not even in this episode. <laughs> I mean, in all of them. Yeah. I would yeah, like to yeah. do more. But it's funny now. So like, We enjoyed being the subject of those stories. Right. right yeah. At the time, yeah. we didn't. I fucking hated it. Absolutely despised it. I hated yeah. that existed. Because at the time, we were heavy on trying to be serious musicians yeah. being 16 years of age. And it's funny how we were talking about this recently we were so like we are serious musicians fuck off and leave us alone we yeah, kind of, yeah. and I would routinely turn up here dressed as like a clown genuinely or like in fancy dress a clown, uh, a clown wearing beetle boots <laughs> <laughs> or at the time I've, like, I would come up as Joseph from the Amazing Technical Dream Coat as well yeah because uh, the, the college was having a car boot sale and dad bought some costumes <laughs> it's funny that that was like, on paper I was like you know I'm a hardcore musician I will not anybody who uh, says like, says Dr. Yeah. that are bad also I'm going to go in today in uh, inflatable trousers yeah but don't you fucking fuck with me <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that was the return of Peeve and welcome uh, everyone. But it's funny the series of events that led to this fan fiction. Dad was installing a window in this house in 1999. Mm. Brought me over. 15 years later, someone wrote that. Imagine our parents' stomachs turning <laughs> at the thought of that. <laughs> and with that, shall we turn into the first section? Yeah. This first segment we're going to go into now. No, sorry, I didn't say kick into it, but before I started recording this, I said to Evan, should we kick into the podcast? So kick yeah. into has now translated into like just my real life vernacular, which is terrifying. You said it in uh, actuality, to use a word that I, I hear people using, I'm convinced doesn't actually exist. Say some gangsters dissing your fly, girl. You just give them one of these. This is one we'll finish later. <laughs> when you listen to chronic procrastinators, you get to hear ones we'll finish later. 
Yes, this is one we'll finish later where we play a demo of sort of an unfinished song. Uh, the demo could be finished, but the track isn't finished yet. It's just a sort of basic sketch of what the song is. Uh, and this one is called Cracked Up To Be. Mm. You pass me that. Talking, I never want to stop. How long has it been raining? I never felt a drop. I'll catch my dead soul to the bone. I'd rather be sick than be alone. We were all cracked up to be. Oh, you were all cracked up to be. Scarf and winter coat showcase your intelligence. My eagerness and extremities are at the mercy of the elements. I try to wait until you leave to run my nose along my sleeve. You're all you cracked up to be. Yeah, you're all you cracked up to be. Yeah, so there you go. That's what cracked up to be, and that track was during a, during a period where I was incredibly into Dinosaur Junior. Mm. So much so that I refer to that era of my songwriting as the Cretaceous period. <laughs> the riff at the beginning and the riff at the end. I've taken that off the track now, and that's for something else. Uh, mm. I don't really like the kind of the half time ness of it. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of clunky. Uh, but I think the recording itself uh, is really 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 nice. It's I quite an like incredibly it. Incredibly successful recording. There's a song in there. Yeah, the song. <laughs> I'll say it again, it's in there, somewhere. <laughs> no, I do enjoy that. I think there's definitely something to be wrong out of that. Again, I just like the simple meathead approach. It's kind of lemon-headsy as well, mm. in terms of song comes in at a certain volume, stays that the whole way. It's just mm. me and Bex will have the fuzz double on. Yeah, yeah. Just needs to get sort of jigged around a bit. I like the solo in it. Again, it's one of the solos that I like, where it's just the melody again. Yeah, like the oh yes in the solo as well. Oh yeah, myself and, yeah. <laughs> myself and Ross did that. Because that was around the time we were demoing another track, and we were kind of, we liked doing the really close-knit harmonies of the oh yes in it. I, yeah. I think they're great. Ross' performance as well is great. Uh, despite the fact that again like like we always do we recorded that just in any random key didn't consult Ross got him to come in and sing on top of it and more often than not he goes ah oh, fuck that key doesn't suit me and we go demo's already done mm-hmm. mate sorry it's just fucking tough shit yeah so it's amazing how he actually is able to like, he can almost decide to sing in a key that he that his voice isn't built for he just can do that it's incredible mm. but yeah that was Cracked Up To Be from the segment One Will Finish 
When you listen to chronic procrastinators, you get to hear ones we'll finish later. Mr. Burns hates his mother. He still hasn't forgiven her for that affair with President Taft. <laughs> Taft, you old dog. This is Vopa. <laughs> Second best. This is second best. Yes, this is second best, a segment where we talk about the best second lines in songs. Because the first ones always get all the airplay and all the talk and all the chatter around them. Mm. Uh, this segment hasn't appeared since probably the fourth or fifth episode because we realised it's actually quite difficult. It's fucking hard. <laughs> I only remember how little we've done this when I just chance upon a good second line in a song. And then I'm like, fucking hell, we haven't done that in Yonks. No, because well, I, I remember initially you both kind of went one of the episodes because I was like, oh fuck, it's hard to cope. And you were like, oh, it's kind of hard as well. So like we'll just bench it for a while. Mm. Uh, but I've saved up a few now. I think the jingle's really good. So, I'm, I'm, so I, wanted to, I wanted to bring it back. Because uh, yeah. obviously, again, like we said, like we say in the jingle, no line is ever going to beat working for the FBI as the best second line of all time. But we're going to try and talk about some other really good second lines. Do you want to go first? Yeah, okay. Go for it. Keeping it canvy for the time being. Cards on flyers? No, uh, Dr. Feelgood, actually. Oh, you're keeping but, it oh. Uh, Dr. Feelgood by way of Mickey Jupp. So, it could be a, I could be referring to either version checkbook yeah ah. on the fucking money son come on um, but if I was a normal funnel I would say uh, d- checking balance <laughs> <laughs> uh, overdraft <laughs> Sorry, I've been struggling this entire episode to find a suitable place for my water yeah yeah I don't know if you've noticed <laughs> I'm panicking that's about. good that's a good system got there. No, I think I've got there so I thought I'd keep it uh, relevant to the sort of themes we've been working on uh, in this skeleton staff edition and yeah so Dr. Feelgood slash Mickey Jupp I of them doing the song Checkbook so it's a song written by Mickey Jupp who is from Canvey Island which is where Dr. Feelgood are from and he was kind of the the main musical export there before Dr. Feelgood came along uh, it was a band called Legend the, the album that this is on is referred to as the Red Boot album because it's got a red boot on a the red cover. boot ah. saucy looking red boot very pointy toed high heeled affair the Legend version actually is the guitar intro is definitely a future sonic second of mine it's got oh, yeah. a kick ass great guitar intro but yeah Dr. Feelgood do it on their first album and the second line is they said get out I said I'm leaving anyway very nice very in keeping with Dr. Figa's character yeah and it's the first line is my mom and papa told me or heard my mom and papa talk and they had some words to say they said get out I said I'm leaving, leaving anyway. anyway no very very good song kind of buried on side two yeah. of the album it's kind of a shame yeah, it's like, yeah. is it like after oh yeah or before oh yeah it's, I think it's just before it yeah so it's like really uh, towards the end of the album because it's definitely like it should have gone where uh, that ain't no way to behave should have yeah, yeah, should have yeah, yeah, yeah. buried that on side two yeah, and put yeah, yeah, checkbook yeah. like number yeah. three what the fuck's that doing on side one? What the fuck's that doing? What? Yeah, what is it doing? Flat. <laughs> cool, uh, cool opening lyric. Cool uh, sort of idea for a song. The Doctor Feelgood version, as well. I'd be saying that the there's a real like kind of Chuck Berry-ish spin put on the Ch- a Chuck Berry type guitar part. Opens the Legend version, which is a, a sonic second of mine. But the Doctor Feelgood version, they kind of I've heard them likened to. Um, it's almost like pre post punk, proto post punk, or proto. You know what? Like kind of more electronicy people would do of having a song that just stays. Like we said, a song that stays in the same level the whole way through but instead of that being hell for leather it's like really measured kind of considered mm. kind of middling middling to low energy and it just chugs along at the exact same rate the whole way through mm, in a kind of hypnotic actually. way yeah 
Yeah, but never thought like that. Yeah, yeah there you I go. think somebody uh, might be uh, Alexis Petridis, celebrated music journalist. Uh, I think I might have read something that he wrote where he was like compared it to like craft work, or it was said that uh, said that John B. Sparks and the big figure as a rhythm section sounded more like a programmed synthesizer than they do some like an old blues oh. uh, record or something like that, That's which obviously totally done by accident by Doctor Feelgood. But they kind of have that sort of like with their jagged, stabby, yeah, metronomic sort of approach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. cool, uh, low key vocal as well from Lee Brillo. Yeah, no, he does. He does know how to. He can, he can temper his voice very, very well to lots of different styles. And uh, my one comes from a track me and you, Evan, fell hard in love with a few weeks ago. Wow. And we were in the we were in the position where we loved it, and then sent it around to a few different people, like as in Bex and Evan, Bex and Sam and Ross, and all that. And we're like, this mm. song is amazing, and they didn't really bite. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, it sounds sounds great. Yeah, yeah. like no, 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 no. But uh, it was one of those songs where I that was all I listened to for like a week. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it's a good be song. You know, that, that kind of disappointment for totally. someone who shared the enthusiasm. But it's I see the rain by Marmalade. Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah by yeah. Marmalade, covered finally by Matthew Sweet and Susanna Hoff as well the only reason to listen to that is because the sort of the, the fidelity of the first version isn't great mm. and it's just nice to hear really crisp guitars playing the really lovely riff on mm. Matthew Sweet's version but the second line is the ducks are congregating round round the lily pond that's a good one but it's it's not for anything in the lyrical content at all I really like it's just the, the way the meter sits in the song as it does it is really nice the way the band go round round the lily pond yeah, yeah. it makes me think as well of the divine legend and TikTok disaster and current Instagram scourge Lily Ponds. Right. Uh, if I must, if, if we can just throw in one kind of shitty internet reference into this episode, totally. And totally. I like that I was able to bring it up via Marmalade. Yeah, cool. The, the band had no because the song, as I said, the song is, is a really nice feel to it, and the second line, it just it's the meter of it, but the way they sing it, I think it, it really does an awful lot for me. So it's technically kind of a sonic seconds, really, but still, it's mm. a good second line as well. But it's the, the band had no right to come up with a song that good. No, it's absolutely excellent. It comes out of nowhere because they're like they're not a very good band. They're like a nice pop band from the late sixties, yeah. early seventies. They hit with Obladi Oblada and. Yeah. They the number this. one with it and have a couple of a couple of really good songs but they're not like it's not artistically nothing's necessarily artistically merited it's like that's a great pop song from that time so yeah, they have a handful yeah. of tracks like that and they're a kind of a they're an enjoyable kind of cosy pop band but it, it's funny imagine being a band where it's a surprise that you come out with a good song yeah it's not a position you kind of want to be in but there's like genuinely about like seven different sonic seconds in that song for me oh, that no. I've, I've been trying to suss out for a future episode like what would be the most appropriate because there's so many great great guitar sounds really cool riff Gonna whip out another uh, such a me fact, like a fact that I absolutely sicken everybody with every time Marmalade are mentioned. And the man who plays the lead guitar on this song his cousin's a Paul McCartney like the guy from the Slammer yes oh, yeah. yes yes He's he is the governor <laughs> that man lead guitar player in Marmalade his name was Junior Campbell he composed and played the motherfucking Thomas the Tank Engine theme <laughs> tune which I suppose is very popular in the, on the internet now these days as well so yeah great okay well at least we've got that in mm. we've managed to link Lele Pons and Thomas the Tank Engine via Marmalade hell yeah you know covered a lot that's second best mm. That what, what was your quote Mr Burns hates his mother he still hasn't forgiven her for that affair of President Taft <laughs> Taft you old dog that was uh, second best Yes, and we're going to go straight into now. It's weird just swapping over the intros each time now. Mm. I'm going to abandon the Simpsons thing and say that authority should derive from the consent of the governed, not from the threat of force. This is Vopa. Singing, singing badly and we listen to them gladly. It's the Vopa. 
Papa. Oh shit. Sorry, one more time. You know what that quote's from? No. That's from Barbie in Toy Story 3. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I know. Where the way to go? Yes, this is Vopar, where we bring up instances of singers just not hacking it live. Always a treat. What's one that I find myself, I find myself overcome with Vopas an awful lot of the time because I'm watching anything online, I keep coming across them and go, oh, brilliant, there's another one great. Yeah. Dan Sonic Seconds, I have the most in the inventory for high fidelity. Mm. I'll play mine first. My one comes from, unfortunately, it comes from David Bowie at Glastonbury. Bowie at Glastow? Yeah. What? He boxes. Surely that was fucking flawlessly magic and perfect. No. What? Unfortunately not. He's doing changes. And this is in 2000. So this was at the Glastonbury absolute fucking mania. Mm. It's, it was as big as it ever going to be. It was absolutely huge. This was the world stage. The world was watching and he didn't do the cuffs on his fucking shirt. Didn't do the fucking homework. He's doing changes, right? And we get to the first chorus. What? <laughs> the man wrote life on Mars, for God's sake. <laughs> you were more than that, David. Poor man. Again, Glastonbury. I know. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, Butterfly Boucher's version of Changes from the Shrek 2 soundtrack is better than David Bowie's. And then when on the soundtrack version, when he gets in the second verse, he ruins it. And there he is. A fashion faux pas and a vocal faux pas. I just want to check that I got... Okay, so the other I've got information that I know that I should know really well wrong consistently over the last yep. couple of episodes. When I said Butterfly Boucher, that I was like, that's definitely the type of thing I would get wrong. I got that totally fucking right. I hate myself. <laughs> As you were, ex. This reference is going to be biblical LG. <laughs> Go on, F, what's your Vopa? Uh, my Vopa comes from Dr. Feelgood, would you believe? Mm. <laughs> I've really run with the theme here. They haven't been brought up. Did I think of this... Literally, while we were recording? No. Can I try and guess? Is it a live clip? It is live. Okay, I'll wait to get it up, but I think I, think I know what it might be. Yeah, hey, you probably give a fair idea. I'm, I'm very intrigued. It, it's not committed by Lee Brillo. Oh, I was about to say, is it the ad lib before the harmonica solo in Roxanne, live in Old Whistle Test that David Hepburn introduces? Roxanne. Oh! <laughs> I said Roxanne. You said Roxanne. Oh, my God. I, can't, I got everything else. Literally. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Rocks yeah. fucking... S. That'd be more a uh, uh, Sonic Second of mine than a Vopa. I love that. I forgot we were doing Vopa as well. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, we all love that. I'm not going to pretend I was slightly scared there. <laughs> you thought I, I'd, I'd suffered a sort of slight brain enema. Yeah, and you didn't like Liberlo going, uh, Could get a little mad, would you? Yeah, I was going to say the first bit I can't can't make out, but he ends it with, like, you know, did a bit that good, you know? <laughs> going to get a little mad, would you? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I forgot we were doing Vopa. Yeah. What's your, so, Vopa, okay, so a bad thing. It can only it, be made by one other man, and it ain't the big figure on Harmonies. I was going to say it's the big figure on Harmonies. No, okay, go it's on. It's our boy, Wilco. Because he, it's a Vopa, because it fucking sounds shit, but it also uh, is doing something that in its original context was done with such such BDE and such power that it is on the BBC sessions, they do My Babe. Mm. And it's the My Babe that we used to do, yes. which is originally by the Righteous Brothers. No, 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 they invented planes. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wilbur and whatever the fuck the other guy's name was, Righteous. No, they were Righteous. It's so insufferable. Yeah. They wish they'd fly away. 
Go on. The Righteous Brothers, we got to it by way of the Spencer Davis group, yes. uh, featuring a then 15-year-old Steve Winwood. Steve Winwood. And Dr. Feelgood did it as well. We were only to find out years later uh, on their BBC sessions. So Wilco Johnson cannot sing, but insists on singing. The moments of his on Down With The Jetty are ill-advised at best in That Ain't No Way To Behave yeah. and Boom Boom. Indeed. Boom Boom shouldn't be on the album. Uh, no, it shouldn't. Be- Liberal doing it, should. Yeah. Wilco singing very select songs works really well. Yep. Uh, Paradise, he sings that brilliant. Uh, 20 Yards Behind, he is. He was born to sing that song. So it does work. He can sing, he can deliver specific songs, but this isn't one of those moments in the sense that uh, when we get to the chorus, they're doing the, the, the verses are sung in, in close harmony, like so. He has, he, has, he has a great harmony voice. Yeah, no, His it works voice well is perfect for, for sitting on top of harmonies. Works well for the back and vocals, works well for the harmonies and all that, but then the chorus, it, it proceeds like this. It's just not cutting the mustard. Nope, <laughs> that's not cutting it for me at all, especially because if I may give a quick blast of the version that they're copying. So the version that invents the chorus being sung by one person and then answered by the guys who were singing the verses in harmony. If you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, yeah, it'll spend its whole life thinking it's an idiot. If you judge Wilco Johnson by his ability to sing the part that Steve Winwood sang when he was underage, he'll spend his whole life rightfully thinking, I shouldn't sing, but now that's all he does. Indeed, indeed. Indeed. So Steve Winwood sang that vocal part on the Spencer Davis Group version when he was yeah 15 years old, and he sounds like this doing it. Make me feel so good. <laughs> So it was a fool's errand. Absolutely. No, well, like, the, in that instance, the power should be in the love the way she walks, not the mm. love the way she walks, yeah, she walks. But in the Dr. Feelgood version, Lee Brillo's bit has fucking power, and it's the callback answer line at the end of the proper chorus, which yeah. should never be the case. He's exactly. Like, the role reversed really stupidly there. Lee Brillo wouldn't even manage that either. No. It's like a fantastic song, but it's not versatile enough to be done, sung badly by, like, by Wilco Johnson. Exactly. It, uh, it sucks ass. Yeah, it, su- it sucks ass. Bad move on the boy's part. Blemish on there, fuck. Otherwise spotless record Yeah Apart from all the blemishes On his suit Yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> Authority should derive From the consent of the governed And not from the threat of force That was Vopa Singing singing badly And we listen to them gladly it's the... Oh, pa- oh, shit. Sorry, one more time. Ba- bringing back The Simpsons for a second. Bringing back that episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> that improvident lack wit. I'll give him what force till he cries Brassafrax. This is, um... Fucking... Peace, Pat, and Pending. This is Peace, Pat, and Pending. Hello, yes, this is... Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're four segments into the fucking podcast and they go, hello. <laughs> this is Pete's patent pending when I pitch products that no one's ever going to buy, use or manufacture. But I try. Uh, so first up, we've got a Clash-inspired storage unit for clothes that you're never, ever going to wear. Yeah. Hate and wardrobe. Very good. Uh, chamber pot that has holes like around it and on, and like cushioned edges as well so mm. that there's the least amount of surface area contact with your arse for people who have like piles and hemorrhoids and that. Yep. Spotty, potty, potty. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, a phone line that when you ring it, it plays really pleasant Scottish indie music. Alexander Graham Bell. Sebastian. Very good. <laughs> that was Pete's patent pending. Wish. That's probably the, f- the fastest segment we've ever done. That was pretty fucking quick. Johnny. Johnny. 
Johnny! <laughs> this is, uh, I keep forgetting the fucking things. This is Never Mind the Fuzzbox. Yes, this is never mind the fuzz box where we sing a riff into a fuzz box and the other prick has to try and guess what it is. Yeah. This time keeping it in the theme that Evan started, like that I suggested Evan ran with and I didn't. <laughs> uh, these are going to be exclusively Dr. Feelgood riffs. So yeah. I'm going to go first. Take it away, Pete. Oh, oh. Shouldn't call the doctor if you can't afford the pills. Yeah, uh, an iconic, iconic moment in our feel-good fandom. The live performance of that song. The, t- the scissor jump. The scissor jump. Wilco holding the guitar up and leaning back and Lee Riddle propping him up while he does the end of the solo, the kind of like one-note thing. The trousers. Yeah, I think the it was the trousers. trousers. So that was You, should, uh, you Shouldn't Call the Doctor by Dr. Feelgood. Right, you do one. Yep. Yeah, we got it. It's a uh, Baby Jane by Doctor Feelgood. When I was driving down thinking about this, I was like, I guarantee you, Evan's going to pick Baby Jane. Uh, yeah, quite possibly my favourite Feelgood's track. Uh, I'd well believe it. It's absolutely perfect. I go on about it you enough. Fucking go on about it enough <laughs> that it probably is, even if I didn't think it was. But it's a great, great song, great single. Right, time for my next one. This might be a bit deep. Okay. <laughs> Oh fuck, I pulled the headphones out a bit there. Can you get that now? Was that as long as the price is right? No. I back in the night? No. I'm going through all the shuffly ones. I've said the first word of it twice now. No Ado Yakamo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the song yeah, as it actually is. No Mado Yakamo. Yeah, well I think even if you find you listen back to that, that's what I was doing. Uh, yeah, it will, yeah. Yeah, no Mado Yakamo. Not my favourite not my favourite song, Dr. Feel Good song. No, I would go as far to say a song I don't like. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, produced by Nick Lowe, that song, fun fact. Okay, well, actually, totally changed the table. <laughs> I love it. You know, give me your last one, Ev. You do definitely know it, but it is a, it's a cunty one to remember the title. No, totally. I, I I went deep on you. You did. No, I. Uh, you've rounded on me for going deep on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went deep on you, so you went deep on me. Yeah, we're back in that fucking fanfic. You know that riff more than you know fucking your own name. No, I definitely do. Uh, is it from BC and you? No, but close. Right era. I was going to say one, al- one album later. Private practice. Yeah, and it's a B side as well as being on private practice. No, what is it? Written by Lee Brillo, would you believe? Well, lyrics by Lee Brillo, which is a rare thing. Mm. Uh, take a tip. Oh, just a tip. Take a little tip from Mr. Johnny Green. Keep your rear view mirror clean. Oh, God, I should have fucking known that. I'm a, I'm a fucking <laughs> fraud. <laughs> Good lyric in that uh, in that track as well, uh, in the second verse. Take a little tip from Nosebleed Sam. Uh, kiss the screen in a traffic jam. Minced his face and bust his nose. <laughs> That's he said, a welcome return to Fuzzbox as well. We haven't done Fuzzbox in a long time. Yeah. I don't know why we seem to abandon the most unique of our segments. Mm. Uh, probably because they require a thing I hate. Work. Mm. But yeah, what, what, what was the intro? Was it to go for Johnny? Johnny. 
Johnny! <laughs> that was a uh, fuzzbox. Never mind the. Fu- that was never mind the fuzzbox. It doesn't work for just a fuzzbox. I said never mind the fuzzbox. I didn't work hard for that title. Just for it to be abbreviated for ease. It was fuzzbox, man. <laughs> That was never mind the fuzzbox, and that was our final segment for this episode. The very first of the two of, of the very first of a two-parter, which this is not the case at all. Very first of the first two, the only one, two-hander. This was the first two-hander of high fidelity. Again, Peeven, go deep with a two-hander. Yeah, that's the title of the episode. <laughs> Without question. But yeah, might be a bit shorter than normal. But I think the other episodes were getting a bit too long. I think there were some of them were pushing Possibly. an hour and ten, hour and fifteen, which is an awful lot to expect of someone. You know, you could watch uh, Jungle Book's only an hour and seven minutes long. You could watch Jungle Book in the time mm. it takes to listen to an episode of our, the last two episodes. You watch quite a few uh, Disney animated films in seven. Minutes. And I would say you should watch them instead. They're, you stand to learn and enjoy far more from those films than you do you from our podcast. You the majority of Police Squad. I'd recommend doing that. <laughs> I've been Pete. <laughs> we could do it with two Ronnies. It's good night from me and it's good night from him. Okay. So it's good night from me. No, I'm we Pete. Do our, we do our normal. <laughs> it's good night from me. Good night from me. Him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm not I'm not a fan of classic British comedy, I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't like the fucking two runnies. <laughs> so rounding it off, it's good night from me. It's good night from him. Good night. Uh, Pete and Ev from Higher Fidelity reminding you to be rooting. Be tooting. And always be shooting. But most importantly, <gasps> be, be kind. interesting you've never done the most important never before. ever that's weird wasn't it i liked it i let evan do the intro and i liked it the <laughs> taste of his cherry chapstick <laughs>